What's up, everybody? Welcome in to a brand new episode of the Celtics Talk podcast and a very special guest to start off with. Abby Chan, what's up? Hello, Chris. Long time no see over Zoom. Uh, yep. And nothing has happened within the last three months that we would have to talk about. So we can dive right into the new Celtics season. Which I am very excited about. <laughs> I do want to say it is great to have you back on the Celtics Talk podcast. Are you excited for this upcoming season? I am very excited. And I know there's a lot going on, including a global pandemic, but just seeing preseason basketball games on my TV has been so comforting. So I am excited to get this season rolling. Well, comfort is seeing Abby Chan back in my Zoom window. Uh, Game's coming right up. We are uh, like Less than about 24 hours away from sitting at our, our studio and uh, Celtics versus 76ers to kick off the preseason. Uh, later in this episode, Mike Gorman's going to drop by. But I wanna, what I want to know from both of you guys and uh, during these interviews is just like your pulse for the season, your pulse for this new look Celtics. What do you think of the moves they made this offseason, adding Tristan Thompson, Jeff Teague, and uh, some of the draftees? I think overall, the East got better. And so I feel like the Celtics, while they are still obviously laden with talent, especially young talents, the margin for error has gotten smaller, especially when you move on from Gordon Hayward, who gave you so much versatility and initiating offense and just being another versatile wing. Not having that and having to then rely put even more on the shoulders of Jason Tatum and Jalen Brown. I think they're ready for that. I'm excited to see what they do with that, but it does put a lot on them and Mm -hmm. makes the margin of error for the Celtics much smaller if they want to keep this championship window open. How good do they have to be? Like what can, so ESPN came out with their rankings last week. Me and Max were sitting here digesting them. You know, Jason Tatum at 11, I think Jalen Brown at 32, you know, what do you think about where they were slotted and do they have even more room to grow this season? Absolutely. They have more room to grow both of them. And I think that that's one of the most exciting parts about this team is that even though now these are there, now Jason Tatum is a $196 million man. <laughs> he's still, and Scal talks about this all the time is that when you're that good, if you can just get percentage wise better, incrementally better, That is huge. It makes such a difference for the team, for himself. And so Jason Tatum, to make another leap, doesn't have to get 50 times better. He's got to get 5 10% better. And he's already so good that that makes him better and that helps the entire team. And I feel the same way about Jalen Brown. I'm excited by what we saw in the bubble from Jalen. And his ability, his decision-making, I feel like has really improved and took a big leap last season. I think that's only going to get better. And now we're hearing from him the leadership role that he's taking on. And we saw that as well in the bubble with all of the social justice issues, but it sounds like he's being a lot more outspoken in the locker room, a lot taking much more on with his teammates. And I think that's exciting and really good for the group as well. So I feel like Jason Tatum, about at 11, I'm cool with that. All right. Jalen Brown, 32. I think we can get that up higher. Wow. <laughs> wow. I don't, I don't disagree. And as you'll hear coming up with Mike Gorman, uh, Mike's pretty bullish on what, what Jay, uh, Jalen Brown can do this year too. Uh, I agree though. I think like it's really important to this team 
that both those guys sort of continue to grow. And, you know, depending on Kemba's health and what you get out of this young supporting cast, you might need Jason Tatum to be a top 10 player. You might need Jalen Brown to be a top 25 guy. Uh, based on the progress they've made through the years, there's no reason to think they can't get to that level. I do want to ask you about the younger guys on this team. You know, besides Grant Williams, I don't know if any of them have a definitive role and even Grant, you know, we'll see how they utilize him, but of the guys from the last three years, pretty much like Grant, Time Lord, uh, Carson, Tremont, Taco. Romeo. Uh, Romeo. Yes, I, I always forget Romeo. Like, I think I actually think Romeo is going to be really important this year, uh, but he's got to get healthy. And then the new guys, Aaron Neesmith and Peyton Pritchard. You know, who do you think are the most likely candidates to sort of kick down that door and be rotation presence for this team? You're right. If it weren't for the injuries, I would say Romeo, because Brad clearly wanted mm -hmm. to use him, wanted to see what he could do in those moments in that brief playoff stint that he had. Romeo, I think, actually did really well, looked like yeah. he belonged and didn't make mistakes on defense and really looked like an NBA player who could contribute and make an impact on this team. So I do want to see Romeo get healthy and see if he can actually stay on the court. I know how bullish you are about Time Lord, and I... I'm still skeptical. I want to see him <laughs> do it consistently. And, and it's not even, it's just the mental lapses. Mm -hmm. I need to see him for an entire game actually be in the right position defensively, be there for his team, make the right decision. I mean, he's such a good passer, but to do that consistently for a game and then actually earn that trust of Brad that he's once is able to put him in there mm -hmm. in those moments for 72 games. I think he still has yet to prove that. I'm excited and, and what I'm really bummed about with the pandemic and that we don't get to be at the Auerbach Center every day is to see the new guys, this sharpshooter, Aaron Neesmith. I mean, I want to see him knocking down shots post game. I love the little glimpses that we've gotten of the one-on-ones between Jalen and Jason on social media, but I want to see this sharpshooter. And then Peyton Pritchard playing through the dislocated finger already trying to run out there I'm excited for that. So um, I do think that I, Grant Williams is the one I will look yeah. to the most to make the biggest leap and have the most immediate impact. However, with all of these injuries to Kemba, we may get to see what Peyton Pritchard can bring. And as Brad said, you know, the learning curve for them is going to be steep and the Celtics are probably going to need them to start the season. So first off, don't you ever bring Time Lord Slander onto this podcast. You will <laughs> <laughs> I was getting really dire there, but no, like it was funny because me, Max Letterman has been 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 filling in, and he is likewise on the Time Lord bandwagon, and so it's weird because I have this like instead of having to push back on people and say no, no, Time Lord can help, it's like Max, you're right, yeah, he's, he's both really there. Like, yes, see <laughs> it. You are a genius, Max. Ah, yeah, it's been rewarding. So uh, I, look, I, I, he needs to be healthy. He needs to be <laughs> yeah. impactful when he's out there. We saw the small scrimmage glimpses. Did not appear that Tom Wood was on the court at that point. He was back out there this weekend during some practice activities. So uh, doesn't appear to be anything major. But uh, like, let's make sure you're getting all your COVID testing. Make sure you're getting everything. Like, like this is a big time. time. This is a big time for the Time Lord. Uh, but the minimum. And and with Rob, it's it's also you know playing with a purpose, playing with that intensity the entire time that he's on the court and not being lackadaisical, like I said, having those mental lapses. And he, sadly, going into now his third season, still needs to earn that trust from Brad Stevens. 
uh, it's funny you say that because I do miss just the small practice glimpses. Like normally we'd be sitting there, we'd be the ones videotaping Jalen and Jason going at it. We'd be filming Aaron Neesmith going station to station, making 23 Around points in a row. Around the world over and yeah. over again. Yes, Marcus Smart talking smack, trying <laughs> to get in the rookie's head. Now we have no idea if any of that is happening. And that's why it's hard to judge. Like we see Aaron Neesmith in that. Again, I'm sitting there like Zapruder film, watching every <laughs> highlight of this scrimmage. And I'm like, uh, Neesmith's not on the court. What's going on? Like, why is Taco playing every minute of this scrimmage? Like, so we're left to, to try to digest very little bits. That's the great Also part. trying to look in the backgrounds of things. Yes. Like, who's on the far end of the court and what are they doing? Yep. I think I caught a glimpse of Jamie Young. So who's he working <laughs> with? Oh. Kem, seeing Kemba on the trainer's table, uh, you know, like, but you know, like you said, you get to see Jalen Brown being emphatic uh, in the huddles. That was good. I, so uh, those small glimpses, that's why I can't wait for a game because we can actually overreact. We'll have a podcast later this week where, oh my God, we will be calling, like rookies will be going to the Hall of Fame. Uh, we will be cutting players. We'll be trading players. It'll be great. One thing I wanted to ask you about, I had to write today. What is it? The, the premise was, what is a successful season for the Celtics? And you know, at first my instinct was they've been the three Eastern Conference finals in the past four years. They have 17 championship banners above them. You know, a successful season is pretty much getting to that title stage, right? But I don't know if that's fair. Like in your mind, before I tell you what I wrote, what do you think is a successful season? I mean, Chris, this is Boston. A successful <laughs> season is a championship. And yes, and that is the, I mean, Brad Stevens has taken more heat this off season, I can't say summer. I want to say summer so badly, but this off season, then I think <laughs> he has ever in his time in Boston. And that is because they just can't seem to get over that hump, no matter what it was, whether it's injuries. And I know Kemba and Gordon, not at 100% in those Eastern conference finals, but to have so, so many bites at the apple, not to mention just the opportunity that last season presented without the regular heavyweights at the top. And so I think, yes, absolutely. I don't, fair, I, I don't know if that really matters. And I think if you ask the team, their aspiration is an NBA championship hanging banner number 18. And so that is the expectation. I, I do think that anything less than the Eastern Conference Finals would be disappointing. So I think that's fair. But the way I look at it is I break the season into three chunks. First part, you're developing guys. Like, figuring out what you got out of these rookies, figuring out what you got out of these second year and third year guys. And, you know, maybe some of them become trade assets. Maybe some of them become rotation guys. Then probably the middle part of the season, you got to start thinking about that Hayward trade exception uh, because it gets cumbersome into the off season when Jason Tatum's deal kicks in, you probably got to have some urgency there. If there's an Aaron Gordon out there, maybe you think about Harrison Barnes, like there's going to be all sorts of names based on, how teams fade in and fade out. I don't, don't get, I see that, that scowl. There's going to be bodies that can help you. And then you have to figure out the right mix. And maybe you don't use a huge chunk of that exception, but you use a smaller chunk. You got to figure out that is Kemba healthy, all that stuff. And then from there, then it's the playoffs and it's time to figure out like, okay, now it's go time. You're playing for seating. You're playing for, um, whatever happens in the playoffs. And so like, we'll have a better gauge of the East then. And then we can uh, 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 sort of temper expectations, right? Like if, if the, if the Nets are world beaters, like, okay, maybe we don't, maybe it's just getting to that stage and playing them. But I don't know if I feel like Kyrie and KD are going to work, although they did it against the G league wizards the other night. So um, I did ask Mike Gorman, so I want to ask you this. What, what's your impression of Kyrie's media silence? I mean, it's so Kyrie, it's not surprising. <laughs> In, in any way, 
And I, to me, you know, we live here in New England with the Patriots and a Bill Belichick who mm-hmm. routinely meets his media obligations and yet says absolutely nothing. <laughs> and, I, and I think that's easy to do. That's not hard to do, especially for someone who's as smart as Kyrie. And the reality is you get paid millions of dollars. This is part of the job. You are an NBA superstar. It's also part of what allows you to do all the incredible charity work that he does Mm do. So to not take away from that, but it has, this is what gives you the platform to be able to do that, to stand up and say those things. And so by him boycotting the media, I think is pretty short-sighted and something that I feel like he may regret later in life. I will tell you that when I heard this story, um, it brought me back to being in a scrum, Kyrie's last season with the Celtics, heading into the playoffs. And I asked him, what did he learn from those first ADP games as they go in? And he said, he didn't, he looked above all of us, the entire scrum and said, all of this is irrelevant. (laughs) And so this is not something new that that we're hearing or seeing Mm. from Kyrie. Um, he is just taking it to the written word now, I think, rather than sharing it with all of us. Well, well thank you for being a pawn in that great Kyrie world. Uh, you know, I thought you were going to say I you said love Gambit as well. <laughs> Binge that during some of my free time. <laughs> Not that you had a lot of free time. Um, but now, and especially not now games are coming. All right. We're going to, I want, I want, I want to talk to you a little bit more, but first, I got to bring in another voice of the Celtics, Mike Gorman, about the set to enter his 40th season. Legend. Let's, uh, let's, let's give a glimpse of my interview here with Mike Gorman. All right, joining us now, my idol, my favorite person on earth, Mike Gorman, set to enter his 40th year. I don't mean to make you feel old. We can talk about golf instead. Yeah, uh, <laughs> it's great to see you because it means one of two things. Either there's a game or we're trying to plan some golf. So they're both good things. <laughs> we were just uh, lamenting the fact that the uh, the snow isn't melting quick enough for us to take advantage of these 60 degree days uh, in December. Don't know how many more of those we're going to get. I'm looking at the forecast and I'm not optimistic. But yeah. one, thing that, one thing that is in the forecast, Celtics basketball, which is happening way too quickly for my doing. But uh, here we go. Uh, how are you feeling about jumping right back in? to another season? Well, I'm kind of anxious to see. I thought they made some good moves. I thought they addressed some problems that they had in the offseason. Um, so I think the team is going to be interesting to watch, especially how they get go. And as you know, for a period of about four months now, we're going to be playing basketball every other day. Um, so that's going to be interesting to see how you better be deep. You, you better be able to go like nine or 10 into your roster comfortably, maybe even go to 11, mm-hmm. um, because there's going to be a lot of games coming at you fast. What happens if somebody gets po- tested positive? And all, I don't know what happens then, but um, I, I know Doc is not happy down Philadelphia. He's sounded off a couple of times about this, but that, that's up to the league and the teams to get involved. We just want to see some good basketball. And again, I think the Celts made some basketball moves that are going to help. What are you, uh, so, so let's, let's go through them individually. Uh, we've seen a lot of Tristan Thompson through the years now, especially in the, in the playoffs when Cleveland was the biggest roadblock to the NBA finals. How do you think that move was, uh, will help them? And were you excited for, for Tristan? Yeah, I am. You know, I saw the interview he did with you, and he seems like he really wants to play in Boston. He has had Boston in the back of his mind for a long time. So that's always good when you got, you got a guy coming in who's not saying, what am I doing here, who's happy to be here. 
So, um, and he addresses the problem that you lose Cantor, you're losing five and a half, six rebounds a game. You got to make those up. Tristan has shown that on a consistent basis, he can be a double-double guy, a low double-double guy, but a double-double guy. Mm-hmm. Um, seems to have a really good attitude. I think he was a great pickup. I, didn't, I thought he was older. He's only, what, 30, 31, I think. So, you know, for a big, he can play a good three or four years, um, hopefully. Uh, at least give us a good two. Um, so, uh, yeah, I think that was a good pickup for the Celtics. And again, yeah. liked, I didn't know him. I didn't have a chance. We never really paid too much attention to the Cavs. But um, just li- listening to him in the interview he did with you, I really came across liking him. I liked his attitude. Uh, and I'm the same way. You know, it's like selfishly, the only thing I really knew him from was uh, all my wife's friends texted immediately and said, we've heard about him from the Kardashians. And I said, that's, right. that's not my pay grade, but – um, yeah, I thought he was really down there. And I can't remember the last time I sat down with a Celtic and they said, when I was, a, when I was a kid and now 19, uh, he was a Celtics fan because of KG and, and how much he loved him. And, and that's just unique. Uh, so when we're sitting there doing the interview and, uh, you know, I'm on zoom, but he's sitting there in the hour back vestibule and there's a gigantic mural of the big three right next to him. And so he is steeped in the history. I think that helps. I just like the intensity that he's going to bring, you know, like another, Another guy who just wants to get after it that has now had a couple down years in Cleveland and is probably eager to try to taste that that championship stage again. Uh, Jeff Teague as well, joining the Celtics as a backup point guard. We're going to get into an interview with him a little later in this podcast. Uh, Curious what you think about him. Like he's one of those guys that Brad Stevens has yearned for for years. Yeah, he's, he's solid. You know, I guess it's the word that comes to mind when I think of his play. Um, he's always been a good player on a team, a player you had to deal with, you had to reckon with, especially down the stretch, was a guy who like, didn't, wasn't afraid to take a shot. Um, so, yeah, I think he's another good pickup. I think he'll be good in the locker room. Uh, he's another guy who, from listening to interviews, again, I don't know him, but from listening to interviews, seems like he's a little bit of a character. He, mm-hmm. he likes to uh, be the life of the locker room when the opportunity presents itself. And I think the Celts could use that. Uh, take some of the pressure off Brown and Tatum to, to be leaders at a young age. Now we've got a couple of older guys who will help out. So, I, I, again, I think these these were uh, areas the Celtics needed to address, and they addressed them. That's not to say they addressed every area that they needed to, but uh, these were two big ones, a backup point guard or a guy who could step in and be a starting point guard if necessary, and he's been one in the league and been a successful one in the league. So uh, I just think he's a solid pick. I didn't even know he was out there when I saw that. Yeah. I was like, oh, that's good. <laughs> Uh, same deal. And so the backstory is like Brad Stevens was, you know, in Indiana and wanted desperately to, to bring him the Butler uh, at that point when Jeff Teague was coming out of high school and eventually got some 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 bigger offers that, you know, Butler wasn't the a pull at that I time. <laughs> and so so now all these years later uh, brings it brings it full circle. Uh, and uh, one thing I want to ask you is younger guys, like the Celtics, going through the roster yesterday, I, I, I always like marvel at this. Half their roster is guys they've drafted in the last three years. You know, essentially starting with the Robert Williams draft, you know, Grant Williams, Tremont, Carson, Aaron Neesmith this year, Peyton Pritchard, the, Taco Fall. There's just, there, there's young guys everywhere. And I don't know if they know what these guys are yet, right? Like they're, you can't pencil any of them except maybe Grant into a definitive rotation role. But of those younger guys, who are you most excited to see this year? And who do you think has a legitimate chance to sort of step up and be one of those rotation presences? You're going to be surprised at this. I think Pritchard. Ooh. Yeah, I, I, th- I think any, you know, there's a thing that scouts tend to overlook. They get into their combine numbers. They get into the, uh, the uh, analytics. Um, this guy was the player of the year in the Pac-12. You got to know how to play the game if you're a player of the year in a conference that good. 
And, and that's a good conference. There's solid teams in there. There's solid players that come out of there. And if this kid's the player of the year, he's a four-year player, which again, I like, because he brings a little maturity to the team. Um, he didn't get to be player of the year in that conference by necessarily being a 35-point-a-game guy or being a 15-rebound-a-game guy. He was just a solid point guard player who pushed the ball, which, you know, Danny likes and, and Coach likes. Um, so, yeah, I think he could be a bit of a surprise. I think the fact that he's a little bit older – I mean, he's, he's older than Jason. He's older than Jalen. Um, you know, he, he's going to step in and, I think, uh, surprise some people. And I guess from what I have read in the practices, his toughness has, has surprised people. Yeah, so, you know, Brad Stevens saying this week, he, he dislocated a finger and begged to go back in. So, if nothing else, he's going to be tough. Uh, Danny Ainge has, you know, quietly raved about him. And just like you said, it's just a Danny pickup, right? Like, you know, not quite the the, the pedigree of Marcus Smart, a top six pick, but uh, likes the way he plays. I'm throwing a brain lock here as, as you're talking. Who is the kid who was a player of the year in the ACC? As, he's with the Pacers now. Um, uh, Brogdon? Yeah, yeah. Now, there's, there's a guy who is, again, player of the year right. in the ACC, slips to the second round of the draft. Like, come on. You can't be the player of the year in the ACC and have 30 other players in the country that are better than you. You, you, you just can't, I don't think. It, it, it's so, funny. Also, it, the same thing applies to Pritchard. It, 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 it's funny because, you know, we have this notion that unless you're drafted at 19 and have this amazing ceiling ahead of you that – you know, your, your, your finished product. And I think the Celtics for, for the first time are trying to, you know, sort of fight themselves on that a little bit. Like Danny has typically shot away from the, the, the late college guys, but especially on this team where you need guys who can just step in and help right away. I feel like, you know, Pritchard and, and, and Neesmith's got a little bit more of a, of a curve just because he's got to learn the defensive side of the ball, but clearly this, the shooting skills are there. Do you think Neesmith can can hit the ground running from what you've seen, the the, the three-point shot? I mean, it's something the Celtics desperately needed, right? Yeah, I don't know if he hits the ground running, but I think he hopefully he'll be running two months from now. Um, the uh, the thing about him, though, I think Miami showed us all last year that with guys like Duncan Robinson uh, and Hero, you can threaten for a championship. You're right there in the finals. Uh, and you uh, can make shooting threes a big deal. So I think to address that, again, in the Celtics addressing needs in this offseason, they address the three-point shot with this kid who's, People tell me it's a layup from the corner from him that he'll just bury it all day long. And I think he will be a very good player for the Celtics in time uh, because, again, people rave about his shooting. I mean, for Jay Billis, they call him the best shooter in the country. Uh, that's quite a pickup to get for the Celtics starting. So, again, I, it, it, there's reason and just the names that you've mentioned. There's other guys that got to find a place in this team. And Kemba, of course, is a big question mark wow. for this team right now. But um, there's a lot to want to tune in the Celtics to see what it's all about because there are going to be guys who are going to play early in their careers. I, I really believe that. So what is a successful season to you? This is something I had to write today. And, you know, my instinct is just when you've been to the Eastern Conference Finals three of the past four years, when you play behind, uh, underneath 17 championship banners, you know, we almost have this, this finals or bust mentality. And, you know, I don't know if that, it, it feels unfair just because of like, they've still got to integrate guys. They've, you know, so I've sort of split the season up into three parts. I say, Early on, you got to develop guys, you know, then maybe you tweak the roster around the deadline. You got that big trade exception from Gordon Hayward. And then, okay, then at the end of the year, we can start worrying about seeding and how you play in the playoffs. But, you know, just in general, what, what's a successful season for, for this team? I think a successful season for the Celtics would be to be as good as they were last year with these new additions playing a big role. Mm. So in other words, making a change where maybe four guys are suddenly in your top nine or 10 players. Um, and they perform, and you're able to be as good in the, in the win-loss column as you were last year. 
um, and maybe again get to the NBA Finals. We we all know, Chris. Once once you get deep into the playoffs, it's a crapshoot. Who's hurt? Who's not hurt? You know, who who can is capable of playing 100% right now? Who's out in the floor? Who shouldn't be out in the floor because it's the finals, uh, the Eastern Conference Finals? So um, again, I think how these guys look at the end of the year is going to determine whether or not we've had a successful season. If they've been integrated and if they're part of the success, then I think that's a great step for the Celtics moving on. Add to the fact that Jason. Tatum has grown six inches. (laughs) This is my favorite story. Like a Sunday morning at like 8 a.m. And someone says, Brad Stevens said this morning that Jason Tatum has grown two inches. And I'm thinking, was Brad up at like, you know, at church telling people that he grew two inches? Where is this story coming from? Uh, The NBA obviously measured guys without their shoes a couple years ago. Jason came in at 6'8". I think you look at him and you say, there's no way he's 6'8". He's taller than pretty much every center on this roster. Uh, he might legitimately still be growing. I love that he is leaning into it and saying that he's 19 for the fourth straight year uh, and still growing. What are your expectations for Jason Tatum and, J- and Jalen Brown? Because I, I, I have to throw them together now because I feel like that's your core, right? And I, I, maybe I've even throw smart in there too. It feels like this team's going to go as far as that trio. I agree with you hundred percent on that trio. And, and I think, I think Jalen is going to have a big year. Um, I, I, not to take anything away from Jason, that the eyes are going to be on Tatum to be the guy, the player, the two inches he's grown. He's suddenly 6'9", 6'10", now can you do this. That, that. <laughs> Meanwhile, Jalen will go out uh, and get you 18 and 12 on a, a nightly basis. So I think when you're looking at like one, two punches in the league, you got to start to consider these, these two kids. Uh, obviously, we're not talking James and, and, and out there in, in L.A., but, um, you know, you look around the league, you, you don't find too many other one-two punches. You say, well, I'd rather take those two guys. Mm-hmm. Uh, maybe you find a better one guy or a better two guy, but not one and two together. So my expectation levels for them are high. My expectation level for Jalen, I think, is maybe higher um, because I think that I think people will be focused on Tatum a little yeah. bit. And, and I think that it'll take them a while to realize how good Brown is. I'm with you. I think when you look back at those playoffs, I thought he was the most consistent performer inside the bubble, you know, didn't have the lulls that Tatum necessarily had, you know, that's the next step for Tatum. It's just a consistency. You know, he had great second halves after he had that bad first half and and that happens, you know, but the fact that he can rebound is a good sign. Uh, But I think both of them, there were some scrimmage highlights that came out and Jalen's ball handling looks light years ahead of a couple seasons ago when he just seemed trapped in the corner uh, on that, that mismatch roster. Which, does, which is a good segue to, uh, you mentioned one-two punches. So uh, Kyrie and, and KD debuted yesterday. Looked pretty good in Brooklyn. Uh, I'm just curious, you know, what's that? Did they need a coach or they just do it? Uh, no, no, they clearly not. They, Jock Vaughn could be the coach on any night, according to uh, Kevin yeah. Durant. Uh, yeah. Kyrie will, will take those, will, will take over there. I just, I just I'm just fascinated. I, when you hear that Kyrie, and I, I guess he's supposed to talk to the media today. By the time you're listening to this, it might be quotes, might be everywhere, but... The, this whole media silence thing, did it surprise you at all? Having, nope. uh, having, no, no. <laughs> uh, you can't be surprised by that kid anymore. Come on, fool me once, shame on you, fool me twice, three, four, five times, shame on me. Come on, really, seriously. That was a leading, that was a leading question because I know we've had some conversations about Kyrie, but I'm, you know, like it's just nice that it's someone else's problem. No, you know, Kyrie is Kyrie. I mean, he's, he's, he is consistent. I'll give him that. He's consistent. You know, it's not like he goes back and forth loving the media and then not talking to him the next day. He just hasn't talked to him ever. Um, and so I guess you can praise him for that. Um, I, I, I lived in New York State up in Westchester County during the offseason. And so I read the New York Post in the morning. Uh, yeah, that's always <laughs> it takes about three minutes. Um, 
But the, the, the sports page is best. You read the post backwards. You don't read the front of the post. You right. just look at the headline, which usually makes you laugh. And then you go to the back and read the sports page. Um, but uh, his comments in, to the media down here that we really don't need a coach and that, that Steve can just relax. He can run practice. That was what he said one day. Um, so it's that'll be interesting to see how that goes with Steve Nash, who is a fiery type of guy and always has been. Um, Durant, I, I don't know about him. He just kind of lurks in the weeds on you, you know, at least in terms of uh, interviews and talking yeah. and saying stuff. Um, uh, he's gone a long time, Chris, without playing in a real basketball mm-hmm. game um, on an every other night basis. So I'll be anxious to see how that works out. I, if you were to ask me what it would probably, I don't think it's going to work out well. Mm-hmm. If, if you're a Nets fan, I don't think it's going to work out well. Yeah, you know, they beat up on the, the essentially the Wizards G League team on Sunday, but I don't know how much you can pull from that. Bottom line here, I hope Kyrie finds happiness. It was searching for it at the end of his Boston tenure. Let's hope he's back home, closer to his friends, with KD. Let's see if he can find it. All right, Mike. What people don't see is that my, my internet connection dropped out. There was an old movie out of the 19, late 60s, 70s called Lovers and Other Strangers, okay? If you ever want to laugh one night, it's about a wedding. And the lead actor in it is a guy named Gig Young who's having affairs and doing a father of the bride and all this crazy stuff. But about 20 times during the movie, he gets confronted with the situation. He goes, now I have his happiness to worry about. Uh, that's all I can think of when you started talking about Kyrie. You're worried about his happiness. Don't be worried about Kyrie's happiness. All right, well, I, I, wish, I wish happiness for everybody. You know what's happiness to me? Mike Gorman being back for his 40th NBA season. How are you, are you ready for this? Are you ready for this little plastic vestibule you're going to be in and all that? Are you ready for this weird setup? I tell you, I'm looking forward to doing the games at the Garden because my understanding is we're actually going to do games at the Garden. Mm-hmm. Um, and uh, that will be really good. Now that, when the away games in the studio, that takes some getting used to, frankly. Um, and you just feel really removed from the game. And that's the biggest problem I find in doing the studio. You, you feel like you're a million miles away. Uh, I just assume being in my house or in Scal's house sitting on the couch and watching it as opposed to actually doing play-by-play. So we'll have to work that out as the season goes on. But I, I just think there's going to be enough interesting things going on on the court that it'll be uh, it'll be fun to do. Road games going to be interesting. It, you know, I, I got to get used to the studio as well and just, you know, not being at games. Um, but one thing that we will uh, – one thing that will be different is just not having Tommy there. Have you – how do you how do you how do you make up for that presence? What what's it going to be like calling these games without without Tom? Well, you don't make up for that presence, number one, um, and you don't even try to. Yeah. Uh, probably one of my uh, thoughts that comes to mind most is I hope fans are very patient with Scal and just let Scal be Scal um, and not Tommy's replacement, trying to fill yeah. Tommy's shoes. Um, you know, there were some things that I'll start to choke up here, which will get bad. But um, there were some things because of the way the season ended, I never had to really do my last game with Tommy because it all of a sudden that had happened already. Um, and so, so that really bums me out. Um, he'll be terribly missed. Um, I was talking to my wife last night and I was trying to figure out how I'd like to figure out some way to occasionally in, in incorporate him in the broadcast, whether it's a, just to say something's ridiculous, uh, you know, or, uh, <laughs> just keep, keep his spirit alive because his spirit will be alive with, with the team. And I hope they, they I've heard some rumors they may do something uniform wise with Tommy. Um, I, I hope they would. I'd like to see that. Um, but, uh, yeah, he'll be terribly missed, but, um, uh, he, he's not gone. No. He'll, he'll, he'll never be gone. I mean, he'll, he'll just never be gone for as long as the Celtics are the Celtics. They'll, they'll always be Tommy. There'll be Tommy points whizzing around. There's Tommy yep. awards to give out. Like I, I, and I know they've got some fun stuff planned for the year. Uh, just, the to, compo, just to, after the compost name, you know, stuff like that. <laughs> 
I'm gonna need you to scream at referees at every at every chance. Uh, you know, so someone's got to do it. So we, we we'll keep that flame burning. That's for sure. Uh, have, how was your golf game this year? Let's end on a positive note. Struggles, struggle. I went, just went through back surgery. Um, which yeah, I know that really sucks. If you want to cut that, you can, but it does suck. Um, so I'm I'm recovering now. I'm moving around a little better. But they told me I couldn't. Uh, I had the surgery done on election day actually. Oh my gosh. They told me I can't. Uh, swing a golf club till first uh, of April, he said. Well, I mean, if you have to get it done, might as well get through the off season. Yeah, and, right, you know. exactly. And, and yeah, and then maybe you... get, my, my big hope is that muscle memory goes away and I lose that terrible <laughs> swing I have. I can come up with a new swing, which is what we do every year, right? Yeah, exactly. I'm, I'm already worried about it. Yeah, I know, you gotta attack something. You know, um, I've already been looking at a new putter. Yeah, so. <laughs> you it, is, it is Christmas time. <laughs> Thing is, I can putt. I can't swing a club, but I can putt. So. Uh, if, I, the, if I get to the green, I'll be tough. We need the Danny Ainge home simulator. Every time I like call him, he's he's banging balls in there, and I'm like, "Come on, that's not fair!" Like, I don't even yeah. have high enough ceilings. Yeah. <laughs> <laughs> All right, Mike Gorman, you've got to get ready for starting to call games Tuesday night. The preseason exactly. tips off, and then we got we have our first home game on Friday night, and then right into the season. Are you ready? You ready? I'm ready. I really am. I, again, I, I think it's going to be a lot of fun. It, it, the network is hosing us as they usually do, um, and they're taking the first two games. We can't do the Milwaukee game. We can't do the uh, right. day game. But um, I, actually, I, I welcome Christmas Day being off. Um, but uh, we'll, we'll see. Once the season gets started, once we come back after after Christmas, we're just playing basketball every other day, like I said. So uh, it's going to be fun to follow these guys. I think the Celtics are going to have to do some things early. I think with the slightly shorter season at 72 games mm -hmm. kind of moves up your, your charts as to where you figure guys will progress and where they should be. So I think things will happen quickly in names of rookies and, and the new guys that come in, they'll be playing right away. So, uh, yeah, I think there'll be a lot to watch early and, uh, to go back to your original question about a successful season, if they can integrate these guys and be knocking on the door of the Eastern conference finals, again, that'll be a very successful season. Well, a successful season for me is getting to listen to you call these games. The, the only reason I'm excited about this calendar moving up, we get right back into it quicker. Mike Gorman, thank you so much. I will be, I'll be seeing you soon. This is good. Bring, <laughs> Bring the sticks just in case. <laughs> <laughs>
it really lifted me up. And then uh, to see this today, I just could not be more grateful. And it really has meant the world to me. And I'm so excited to go out there and continue to share this journey with everyone and just to be a small part of it. And I want to do well. I want to do a great job and I want to continue to just have fun and um, enjoy this ride. And so, I don't know, it does. It makes me emotional. It has really, it's meant so much to me and I really, really appreciate it. Well, you know, you know, you deserve it. And people are, people can sense the good in people. And I think they're excited that you're going to be part of this journey this season as well. I can't believe we have games coming up. Like literally we're going, I, like, I, I've been to the studio. Tomorrow, literally. What? I've been to the studio twice since March for free agency and draft. And now like, here we go. I got to be ready. I got to, I got to put on something other than sweatpants, which is going to be dastardly, but uh, I'm ready to go. I'm ready to run through a wall. I'm ready to, to, to hang out and talk some Celtics. And that's the most important part. I can't wait to have fun and just like enjoy this season uh, and see what becomes of it. But all right, before we get out of here, I'm going to leave you with my exclusive interview with Jeff Teague from our NBC Sports Boston Media Day. Uh, a great story about Brad Stevens in his pursuit of Jeff Teague in, in, in high school and wanted him to come to Butler. Uh, says he might have saved his life, which was pretty heavy. Uh, but go check that out. We'll be back later this week with more Celtics Talk podcast. Enjoy the interview with Jeff Teague. Jeff, one of the things we heard, uh, even before you arrived here, Brad Stevens used to sing your praises all the time. He obviously tried to recruit you to Butler. What do you remember from that experience? And what was your, did you have any relationship with Brad before this, uh, before joining the Celtics? Yeah, I knew Brad since high school. Um, he actually changed my whole life, basically, because um, I had a path that I wasn't really focused on school as much. I mean, I played basketball, obviously, but School wasn't my favorite thing to do, so um, he pulled me into a room at Butler as a sophomore um, in front of my dad, and he basically showed him my grades, and I had been hiding report cards for some years by then, and uh, basically just told me, like, if you wanted the opportunity to play college basketball, you had to bring your grades up, and my dad not seeing my grades for a couple of years, was he was pretty mad about that, and uh, I had to get my act together, man, and basically got my focus right. And um, every time we played uh, the Celtics in the past, I would tell Brad, hey, thank you for saving my life. And he would look at me like, shut up, like, whatever, man. You are going to get that the right. But, no, that was a big moment for me, man. I appreciate it. Wow. Did you know that he, he's always sort of wanted you to, to coach you, not only from those college days, but in the NBA? No, nah, I didn't know that, but uh, I'm happy to be here. Um, you know, I have an opportunity to talk to guys that play for him. You know, uh, me and Shelvin Mack are really close. I know, I've know i known Gordon for years, and they always just had so many positive things to say about him. So I'm excited to be able to be a part of it. What was it about the Celtics that appealed to you as you were going through your, your free agency process? Uh, I feel like we have a chance to win a championship. I think the talent that's here is uh, one of the best teams in the league. Um, so many talented players, you know, Kimba, Jason, Jalen, Marcus, uh, adding Tristan, I mean, the list just keeps going. And uh, I just, just think this team got to a position last year where they're fighting and they're hungry. Uh, they had a little taste of it and they, they just want to keep going and get a little further. And I, I wanted to be a part of it. 
what can you bring the team, whether, you know, it's starting early in the year, if they need somebody or off the bench, what, what do you envision your role and what you can bring to this team? I just want to be a, do what I can do to help the team, uh, whatever role coaching needs me. Um, I know I expect it to come off the bench or whatever, but whatever role that they need me to play, and uh, I'm open to it. I'm going to try to bring the energy, bring the effort, and still be myself. Um, got a lot more to give, and I wanted to be a part of something special. What are your early impressions of the other guys on the roster here? You know, getting to know Tremont and uh, Peyton and, and all the, and obviously Marcus Smart. Yeah, they're all great guys. Um, that's first and foremost. They're really good guys. Um, easy to talk to, easy to be around, but they work hard. Um, Peyton's always in the gym. First one in, last one to leave. Works hard. He's going to be a great player. Uh, Tremont, same thing. These guys work really hard. We all know how hard Marcus plays and practice in the game. So that energy is contagious, and uh, we've we all been feeding off of him. This team has been close three trips to the East Finals in the last four years. What can guys like you and Tristan do to, to sort of help them get over that hump? Uh, just try to bring that effort, whatever role we have to play, if that's coming off the bench, or just try to bring some veteran leadership and just give them an extra little punch. Um, hopefully that my role could be that. Um, I'm looking forward to it. It's a great challenge, but uh, I think this team could do something special this year. How hard was it to choose a number here? That's probably the hardest i ever been a part of. Every number I said was taken or retired, uh, but somehow I found 55 and I wore this when I was a kid, so it worked out. We are going to be best friends because I love 90s WWF and WWE, and so uh, if you ever want to go watch a SummerSlam or whatever, like I, I have, I have, I have the network. That's all I watch every day. Uh, so uh, <laughs> yeah, the Attitude Era, all that. That's my that's my stuff, man. All right, we'll end on this then. Who's your favorite wrestler? Uh, I go back and forth between Stone Cold, The Rock, and The Ultimate Warrior. Uh, I don't know why, but. That's my thing. I have an Ultimate Warrior Frisbee in my basement somewhere. I can't, I can't, I wish I could pull it out right now, but yeah, that's, uh, that's my choice too, so. Okay, yeah.